Good morning, Fellowship High Crest. Happy New Year. Oh, we can do better than that. Good morning, Fellowship High Crest. There we go. Act like all your bills were wiped away when the new year began. That ain't the truth. You better pay your bills or you're going to be outside. But we can act like it, right? Yeah. um, I mean, shoot, I, I posted last night about how in the same week, the Texas Longhorns won a major bowl game. Hook them. There you go. And... And we had the Dallas Cowboys win a playoff game in the same week. I'm like, I don't know what's happening, but you better get your life together because that means Jesus is close. <laughs> and so um, so you better get it together. You know, New Year is a, is a perfect time to start off with and, and think about what God is going to do with you in the coming year. And um, one of the things that we have here for you at the High Crest Campus is our discipleship table out um, in the hallway. And there's always all these resources out there to help you take your next step. Out there, there's a limited number of, of two things I'm going to tell you about real quickly before I get here, get started here. One of my favorite books in the world is this book right here. It's called uh, Just Do Something, A Liberating Approach to Finding God's Will or How to Make a Decision Without Dreams, Visions, Fleeces, Impressions, Open Doors, Random Bible Verses, Casting Lots, Liver Shivers, Writing in the Sky, etc. It's one of my favorite books that I've ever read. It's a quick read. It's, you can get it free on Hoopla. It's like a two-hour listen. But if you're trying to determine um, what are you supposed to be doing, where are you supposed to be going, what does God have for you, and you're struggling with that, and you want, and you're like, I'm trying to make the right decision, then this is a good book for you to start off this year with. Um, and it, so there's a limited number out there at the discipleship table. Once again, if you're a book listener, you can get it free on Hoopla if you have a public library card. Um, and then this, this book right here is called Crazy Busy. Um, one of the things uh, in our world that, that we are seriously suffering in is this margin. And uh, disciples are made in the margins of life. And, and because we don't have a margin in our life, we don't spend time in his word. And we don't spend time with people. And we don't just spend time enjoying God. So this book, if you're trying to determine what do you need to, what should you be doing and what do you need to stop doing? This is a good book for you, and there's a limited number out there for, for you out there. Um, now, if this is your first time visiting Fellowship High Curse, I want to let you know that um, as I speak today, you'll see some page numbers on the screen, and those page numbers will correlate with the blue Bibles that you have found in your seats. And if you don't have a Bible, please take that one as our gift to you. If you don't have one that's easy to read, please take that one um, as our gift to you. Uh, if you know someone who doesn't have a Bible or doesn't have one that's easy to read, Please take that one and give it as a gift from the both of us. Now, although this is the first Sunday of the year, this is actually our second Sunday in our sermon series entitled Ears to Hear. And this is a great um, place to start the year. This sermon series actually covers just one parable of um, Jesus. And, and it's a great place to start the year because it causes us to, to ask ourselves the question, Are we ready for all that God is going to do in and through us in this year? Don't miss that first part, because a lot of times we start planning our year out by what we want to do. And we skip over what God wants to do in us. 
So this is a, a good place. And, and last week, uh, Jeremy kicked off this season. And, and if you were over uh, this series and if you were over at the Year's Campus, Brian kicked it off over there. And they kicked it off looking at what the parable described as the hardened soul or the pathway. And this week, we're going to look at the sh- shallow soul. So let's get into it um, this morning. There in Mark 4, 1 through 20, it's on page 601 of the Blue Bibles. If you're using those, um, here's what it says. It says, once again, Jesus began teaching by the lake shore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore. He taught them by telling many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Now, if you uh, are here and you're not serving anywhere and you wanted to ever know the, the value of uh, a tech arts ministry, um, this is it. So as Jesus sat in a boat on the water, his voice will reflect from the water into the mountains and it would naturally amplify his voice. So he had his own little tech arts department going on um, there. And so, so listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds, uh, plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath and birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plant soon wilted under the hot sun and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as been planted. Then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Later when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples and with the others who were gathered around, they asked him what the parables meant. He replied, you are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God, but I use parables for everything I say to outsiders so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they see what I do, they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they will turn to me and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? The farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. The seed fell on the footpath uh, that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed fell that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth and the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as has been planted. This is God's word. So most of us, at some point in our life, have had the opportunity to, um, to ring in the new year by counting down and then launching into should all acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind? Should all acquaintance be forgot in days of old anxiety? 
Now, most of us have no idea what that means. Most of us, if we were telling the truth, don't know any of the words that come after of it. And most of us have no idea the purpose of the song. And every year when we sing that in the room, we kind of mumble it out. I couldn't mumble it this morning because I'm the one on stage with the mic. Most of us say, man, I really need to learn these words so I'm prepared next time. Most of us think maybe I should learn the meaning of this song so I know what I'm joining in next time. But also most of us forget as soon as we leave that room, it, it exits our mind. And, and very often the joy of the moment that the ball fell and the calendar rolled forward also flees because the party in in real life begins. A new year, a kiss on the cheek, a toast with friends does nothing to solve bills and work problems and family issues and all the other difficulties of life. What is it that causes the happiness of the moment that the ball dropped to leave? That is exactly what Jesus is approaching when he talks about the shallow soil in this parable. Jesus uses this part of the parable to discuss what will cause someone to hear the good news of the word, have joy in the promises that they just heard, and then walk away. The gospel, according to Mark, was written by John Mark, and and John Mark was not a disciple of Christ, but rather of Peter. And Peter um, was known to be quick to speak, quick to act, and also usually in quick need of rebuke. But even deeper than that, we see that uh, both Peter and John Mark knew what it meant to face disappointment in life and in ministry. As Jesus was teaching this parable, his listeners didn't have to search for an example um, to match what he was describing. Um, On the screen um, is a picture that describes in in that part of the world, that landscape, you can see all those different types of soil in, in one camera frame. So he was using this image that was coming to them to explain this parable. And as Jesus spoke, he said that both the shallow soil and the good soil received the same seed. And as Jeremy taught last week, that seed that we're talking about is the word of God, the gospel, the good news. And so he said that, that it had the same sower casting the seed. But he said that the response was different. Jesus says in verse 5 that the underlying rock caused one place to be shallow while the other place produced a harvest. In the same way, it's easy for us to read um, uh, the scriptures and see ourselves as David, to see ourselves as Moses, to see ourselves as Abraham and, and as Noah and as Esther. You get the picture. It is easy for us to read this parable and assume that we're good soul. But here's the problem with that. The problem is if we never take time to examine the soul of our own lives and our own hearts, then we won't know how to deal with disappointments that we face. I'm going to get into why that's an issue here in a second. But before I do, I feel like we all need to be on common ground. We all need to see how we can be a little shallow at times. To show you that, I'm going to discuss some common ways that people come to faith, some common ways that we know that people come to faith. And the first one is this. a, A lot of people come to faith. Most common way is a parent's faith or a family faith. 
You know, um, one of the, this is one of the primary ways a person is born into it. They never knew anything different. They, they've been in the nursery and children's ministry and youth ministry and, and young adult ministry and whatever else ministry for as long as they know. They've never known anything different. And, and since they love and trust those people who care for them, they just naturally trust as what they've been taught as being true. Their faith was given to them. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's how you were here today. You, you just know when you got up on Sunday morning, we go to church. So that's what we do. The second common way that people come to faith is a, what we call a crisis faith. Some traumatic incident occurred which left them searching for answers, and they find immediate hope in the promises of God's word. It, it brought immediate joy to their heart to think that someone or something out there could make good out of their bad situation. It brought them immediate joy to think that someone or something out there could do something they couldn't do, and just the possibility that change was there or could happen brought them joy. The third common way that people normally come to faith is called a a prosperity faith. Someone told them that God wasn't just concerned about their future, but that he also was concerned about their right now. That that, that the fact that there was a lover of their soul concerned about um, the health scares that they were facing, concerned about the lack in their life, concerned about turning their mourning into laughter brought them joy. And then the fourth way we, that we commonly see people come to faith is called a convenient or a popular faith. This is the case where it is socially advantageous for someone to identify with Christ. It, 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 you know, the kids that you want to hang around with and, and, and all the, the, the families that are a part of the PTA that you're a part of that you want to have family game nights with, they all go to the same church. They're all a part of the same youth group. And, and so... It is advantageous for you to be a part of that same group. And, and, or maybe you grew up not having much. And so the only way that you got to do things outside the neighborhood or experience things like summer camp was by identifying as a Christian. It's socially and popular and advantageous for you to identify as a Christian. Now, in and of themselves, nothing is wrong with any of the four, but, but, Our faith just can't be rooted in any of those four. If we do, it will lead to major problems, and here's why. The problem with all these types of faith is that every day the sun rises. What do I mean by that? Just like on New Year's Eve, eventually the party will end and eventually the sun will rise. What do you mean, John? I mean that routinely and regularly you will face some pain, loss, hurt, and hostility that are going to be as hot as the sun. You need to know that. They might be unprovoked, uncharted, and they will surely be unexpected most of the times. What happens when your dad, who's your spiritual hero, and, and, and then he goes and have an affair and rips your family apart? What happens when, when your mom, who's always been your, your spiritual rock and your prayer warrior, uh, you find out that she's been secretly addicted to alcohol as a way of coping with all the challenges of life? 
What happens when, when, when you have miscarriage after miscarriage, when your child is killed in a car accident, when it becomes apparent that mama ain't going to beat cancer this time despite all the prayers of all the saints, when you get laid off and you have no idea how you're going to pay the rent, when holding to God's word on a certain topic means that you're going to be socially isolated or ostracized for your beliefs, what happens then? The sun will rise, and if our faith is a shallow faith, then it will cause all the joy we once had in God's word to wither. The heat of of life's everyday problems will bring us to the point of realizing that maybe our faith wasn't as deep in some areas as we once thought it was. But what is it that causes the soul to be shallow? Was it tribulation and persecution? No. Let's look back at verse 5 and what it says. It says this. It says, other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. What causes the soil to be shallow was the underlying rocks in it. What is the rock that lies beneath the surface of our hearts that causes our joy to wither when we face problems and persecution? It's missed expectation. What is the, that missed expectation? If we were to look carefully at each of those four different types of faith that I described previously, you would see this missed expectation laced all through each one of them. That missed expectation is this. My life will get better with Jesus. The hot sun that exposes the underlying expectations of what I look to get from Jesus that keep my faith from being deeply rooted and growing and increasing and yielding a harvest are all the external challenges that come with just living life and eventually cause internal spiritual crises. You're going to face some things each and every day on a regular and routine basis that challenge you that are going to be hot as the sun. It may not be for anything that you have done. And they're going to cause you to have some internal spiritual crises. If you're here this morning and you are seeing some areas of shallowness in your faith, I don't want you to leave disheartened or discouraged. As both Peter and John Mark encountered discouragement in their journey, it was the transition of their mindset that led to a transformation of their soul type. As they encountered discouragement in their journey, it was a transition in their mindset that led to a transformation of their soul type. In order to transition from being shallow soul to being good soul, one must transition from a mindset of expecting from God to a mindset of enduring with God. What do I mean? When we have a mindset that expects from God, we do things for God looking for fulfillment in life. We, we, we go to church service and we remember scripture. We give money. We serve in ministry in the hopes that God will see our good deeds and grant us the desires of our hearts. When we have a mindset that expects from God, we want to see immediate results. We think that because we begin rooted, that because we start going to church, because we start giving and reading our Bible, etc., that the situations in our lives should immediately change. 
When we have a mindset that expects from God, we look at Jesus as an add-on. We give him, you know, our marriage that's in trouble, but not our finances and not our media and not our, our calendar. We really don't want God like that or him all up in our business like that. We just want him to handle this one situation where we got a couple of problems and a couple of issues and, and everything else that's going according to what we like. We want him to stay out of that and leave us alone. When we have a mindset that expects from God, the heat of living everyday life in a broken world causes our faith to wither and sends us into a cycle of bitterness, resentment, and disappointment towards God and man until the next sermon, the next Bible study, the next podcast, the next Facebook post, or the next book gives us another nugget to hang on to until the hot sun rises in our lives again. If you're going from book to book, from podcast to podcast, from from Facebook video to Facebook video, trying to hang on, ask yourself some questions. That is not a place to root your faith. But when we transition to an enduring with God mindset, mindset, instead of looking for fulfillment, we embrace contentment. Paul says this in Philippians 4, 10 through 11. He says, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Are you ready to transition from asking God how, from asking how you can get God to help you achieve your dream to praising him for including you in his plan? Are you always looking at what you don't have, what you would like to do better, or, or have you started being at a place where you can praise him for all that he's already provided? When you go from expecting to enduring, we move from looking for immediate results to valuing the experience being gained in our trials. Paul says in the same paragraph in Philippians 4.12, he says this, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. Are you hunting for results or are you valuing the opportunity to journey with the God of the universe? If it's always about results, you're going to always feel like you're going to always be discouraged. Are you valuing just the experience of being with God? When we transition from um, from expecting to enduring, Jesus stopped being the hot sauce in our lives. He stops being something that you just add to life to try to spice it up a little bit. And he starts being the whole sandwich. You start to realize that that he is your all and that that you are nothing and you have nothing if you don't have him. Paul said in Philippians 4.13, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. That verse is not about God helping you achieve all the wildest dreams of your heart. It's about God giving you the strength to be content in whatever situation you find yourself in and being able to praise him for all that he's already given, knowing that he's the sustainer of all life, knowing that you can't breathe if he doesn't give you breath, knowing that he decided he decided to design you in his image. 
When we move from expecting from God to enduring with God, the heat of the hot sun doesn't cause us to wither, but is seen as an instrument in the hands of the divine gardener to make us fruitful. Paul says in Galatians 5.22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Those kind of things don't come from seeds that haven't been exposed to the problems and persecutions of life. Before I was married and before I had kids, people told me the same things about both situations. They said it's going to be hard. You know, um, I was like, well, well, thanks for that. Like, that's, <laughs> thanks. That's, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. Um, not really. Um, you couldn't say, like, your wife is beautiful. Your kids are going to be perfect. It's like, it's going to be hard. It was not their warnings about the upcoming trials and tribulations that motivated me to start those journeys or to endure all the trouble that came with them. It was who I was going to get to make the journey with. In the same fashion, knowing that we will face trials and tribulations in our spiritual journeys does not motivate us to start or to continue on the journey. It's who we get to make the journey with. And I can tell you, if you're here this morning, there's no better travel companion that you can have than Christ. You know, the phrase all in Zion basically means days gone by. And the crux of the song is that we should take time to remember the things and people that despite the good and bad happenings of life should never be forgotten. You know, if you are here this morning, I want to tell you that, that like I said, there would never be a greater travel partner your life than Jesus Christ. But I also want to give you some things that you can expect if you take this journey with Jesus. And here are four things you can expect if you take this journey with Jesus. And the first one is that God is passionately committed to seeing his children grow. There will never be uh, anyone more down on your team, more for you than God is. God is more committed to you being the best and most natural you than even you are yourself. So you need to know that that God is intimately and passionately committed to seeing his kids growing. The second one is, is your circumstances may get worse. Following Jesus may mean that your physical circumstances may actually get worse. Your marriage may not reconcile. That cancer may not get healed. Um, That child may never return to God. And, And you know what? You may live in poverty for your entire life. You need to know that if you're going to travel with Jesus. The third thing is that growth happens in trials. Plants need sunlight to grow. Muscles, the way they grow is you tear a muscle when you lift weights and it heals larger the next time in order to be able to um, hold the strain that you put on it the next time. You need to know that in the same way, you're going to have to be exposed to some problems and trials in order to grow spiritually. And then the fourth one is this. Spiritual maturity equals applied truth over time. There are no shortcuts to being spiritually mature. You know, simply knowing the truth won't be enough. 
It is when we're able to obediently apply truth over a period of time that we mature spiritually. Maybe you're here this morning because there's some things from 2018 that you would rather just be forgotten. And you're looking for change. Maybe you're here um, because you recognize some hardness of hardness, some areas of your life. Or, or maybe you've recognized some, some shallowness in your, in your motives in different areas of your life. And, and, and you wanted to change. That change starts by doing what we call stepping across the line of faith and accepting the good news of Christ. Accepting the good news of Christ starts by acknowledging that that on your own, you are bad soul, that on your own, you do rebel against God's word. You you are not obedient to his word on your own. But because of God's rich grace and mercy, that if you believe in the person and work of Jesus Christ alone, then you get life. When you trust in him, you receive the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit begins to move, remove the rocks from your life. You don't have the strength to remove the rocks from your life on your own. That is a work of the Holy Spirit and you get that once you cross over the line of faith. If that's where you're at this morning, Maybe that's your next step. In a second, I'm going to pray. No special words, no special order of words, just a prayer of thanksgiving. And if you've never prayed that prayer before, this is a good Sunday to make that commitment. And maybe you're here, but you've never gone public with your faith through the act of water baptism. Well, guess what? On the third Sunday of each month, we practice that here at Fellowship High Crest, and and you can get signed up by going to the Welcome Center right after we release to sign up, and we can make that happen. What a wonderful way to start a new year as a new you by going public with your faith. That's your step. Do it. Don't wait. Don't delay. Do it. And maybe you said, man, I've tried this thing and I've stumbled over and over again and I don't know what to do. Maybe getting in a rooted group and having a a fight club, some people who can rally around you and walk beside you is your next step. If that's your next step, then take that piece of paper, fill it out and take it to the Connection Center after service. Get signed up. Be a part of it. Make your next step. Don't wait for everything to get perfect and right because it won't be. I'm going to tell you something. It won't. If you're waiting for the perfect time to do anything, you're going to keep waiting. Be obedient today. Make 2019 the year that you say yes to God, that you're obedient to God, that you stop waiting on everything in the line out. And you say, yes, God, in, in this moment. As the sun is beating down on my life, as things are falling apart, I'm going to say yes to you now. Make this the year. Let's pray. Father, we love you. But we know your word says that you first loved us. Sometimes we've, we've entered a relationship with you uh, 
simply just looking for what we could gain and not just to enjoy you. And we want to repent of that. We want to apologize for that. We ask, Father, that if there's anyone here that's struggling, they've been trying on their own. And they find themselves in an endless loop of disappointment and discouragement, Father, that they would turn it over and they would accept the work that has been done by you sending your son, Jesus Christ, to live a life that we couldn't live and die the death that we couldn't die and be raised three days later from the grave. I pray, Father, that they would trust solely in him and his work. And that your Holy Spirit would raid all of our hearts and would put a spotlight on the rocks that exist. And that we would be humble enough and obedient enough to allow the Spirit to begin to change and till our hearts. Father, we love you. We thank you. We pray these things in your darling son Jesus' name. Amen.